Hey Jesse, welcome, welcome, welcome. I am honestly so excited to have you here. Um, I'm going to tell you a little story <laughs> of how long this recognition goes back. So I actually followed you uh, way before like you got into human design as well. You and Nick did a uh, a consciousness mapping course at some point of time oh my gosh no way <laughs> yeah and at that point of time I was kind of like as the logical being I am in the spiritual world looking for like anything that would explain life logically and consciousness logically and I was kind of into the same kind of stuff and I landed up on your profile and I was like yes there is just something here for me and I bought the course and I went through the entire course with you guys oh uh, my God. <laughs> I had no idea yeah I knew I wanted to I wanted to tell you that I had <laughs> I have been following you for a very, very long time, way before you were doing human design and now uh, functional patterns. Is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I want to know more of all about that because I have no idea. But um, I just almost immediately resonated with, with your frequency and what you had to say and with the precision that you say it with. So I'm so happy to have you here and have this conversation with you. Wow, thank you for that introduction. I honestly had no idea that you, you're really an OG. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Back to the consciousness mapping days. Um, that's awesome. So yeah, we've been probably through a very similar journey then if you were into Dr. Hawkins work and the levels of consciousness and everything. And, um, you know, I honestly am really grateful for my own journey that I've kind of taken because I see a lot of people entering into human design from the spiritual manifestation place and not, you know, nothing wrong with that path either. But I found that studying Dr. Hawkins' work, while it still is very like enlightenment based and has, you know, a lot of aspects of it that we could say are seven centered or not totally in alignment with human design. One thing I really loved about it was the acknowledgement of letting go and kind of going through a hero's journey of feeling like you're in control of a lot of a lot of your life and then realizing that you aren't in as much control of it as you may, might think. And I felt like that gave me a very good baseline and way of seeing reality so that by the time I really got radical in my human design experiment and like really realized what this is, it didn't shake me in the same way that I think it would shake a lot of other people. I don't know if you have a similar perspective on that. I would love to hear um, yeah, I would love to hear how that kind of went for you too. Yeah, no, I would agree. And what really helped me, I guess, and I, I want to talk, I want to talk about your journey as well. But um, I was kind of talking about this with a couple of friends that when I came to human design, I had already done so much work uh, mm -hmm. and created so much space in my body for human design to really land. And uh, I, I was talking about how if I had come across human design, 
a few years ago, I probably would not have been able to hold it or, you know, like I would have known about it, like, yeah, strategy and authority, but how do you actually live it? you know, in a way that that's supportive, in a way that you can actually hold it when you're not a constant wreck, you know, and um, I I love, I love that um, you speak on that as well. And in a lot of different ways, I I, I do, uh, even with, fun I was watching your live on functional pattern, and I heard a lot of stuff that completely resonated with me. But let's, let's start from the beginning, because I want to, <laughs> I, I, I want to hear about your journey and your trajectory as well. So what were you doing before human design? And then how did human design happen? And um, what was it like when you first came across it and you saw your design? Mm. Yeah, so um, let's, let's see, where do I want to start? Undefined throat with a hanging 56. <laughs> I love to tell my story and I can kind of get into the weeds sometimes. So, um, so I was a physical therapist and to back up, back it up even further. Um, I grew up, I was an oldest child of five and I, um, I'm the only defined spleen in my like immediate family penta. My dad also has a defined spleen, but I wasn't, um, he him him and my mom split and then I spent most of my time with my mom and my stepdad and my four siblings and so I was the only um defined spleen and the only non-emotional so I kind of took on that role in a lot of ways of like making sure everybody's like material health need not material but like making sure their health and well-being needs were met and I became that like kind of that nurture archetype to my oldest to, to my younger siblings my sister always had a lot of health challenges so I always kind of felt this responsibility I guess and I'm hope motivation so there's definitely a lot of probably transference that I lived in for a long time but I felt this responsibility to kind of figure out the body and how to take care of myself and how to take care of my family in a sense and you know, how can I work with individuals who are like my sister and help them? Because I saw a lot of the challenges that she went through and it really kind of like, uh, yeah, it just kind of touched me from, from a young age. So, uh, I also had a lot of, not a lot, but like I had my own health challenges too. Like I've always had back problems and my mom took me to like a chiropractor and to all these different all these different practitioners as a child, like trying to find out answers and everything. And then, um, you know, in my kind of like teens and early twenties, I dabbled in like every sort of like health and fitness thing that you could probably think of. Although probably the one thing that I somehow never got into was CrossFit, but like pretty much every like traditional way. <laughs> oh, that's fine. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, like traditional weightlifting, running, cycling, swimming, um, yoga, hit classes, dance, like Zumba. I, I tried a lot of different things um, and I kept getting injuries. And so I ended up going to physical therapy school. I think, you know, 
I liked to tell myself that it was, oh, because I want to help people, but it really was in a lot of ways because like I was seeking answers for myself, like how I could be healthy because I was doing like all the same things everybody else was doing and just, you know, I'd still end up injured and, and, and what have you. So I went to physical therapy school and I ended up really falling in love with pediatrics. Um, and I ended up working in a children's hospital for almost three years. And there were parts of that job that I really, really loved, but there were a lot, there were a lot, there was a lot in that job that was really hard, <laughs> especially as a projector, especially as a non-emotional projector. Um, and I was working really long hours and I was really burnt out. And I was like, why can't I keep up with my coworkers and all those sorts of questions. I remember thinking too, like, man, school was so easy for me. Like I could study all day long and I loved learning and everything. And like all that stuff kind of came naturally to me. And then by the time I was like in the working world, I could immediately feel in my body the toll that it was taking on me. So that's kind of when I, it was like, as I entered the workforce that I, started I guess seeking and that's where I got into more of the like spiritual and energetic and quantum mechanic sort of stuff like Dr. Joe Dispenza I had like a whole kind of phase with that <laughs> um and then I found the yoga couple and they were talking about a lot of the stuff that I was into at the time but then they were the ones who kind of introduced me to Dr. Hawkins and um into yoga philosophy, into a lot of ideas that I really hadn't been introduced to at the time. And so I was, I was really resonating with what they were putting out. And then one day they they jumped on their stories and they started talking about human design. And I was like, what is that? That looks really interesting. It looks like a, it looks like everything that I've been studying, like our aura and our energetic mechanics and everything but it's like a blueprint of that and I was like immediately fascinated by it and I think they posted like a little diagram that talked about the four main you know the four aura types and I read the descriptions of each and I was like I don't know what it is I just know that I'm a projector <laughs> and I looked at my chart and you know sure enough I'm a projector and you know a lot of people you know everybody has a different reaction to seeing their design for the first time. For me, I immediately felt a sense of relief. Like it wasn't even bitterness. It wasn't really, there was really no like negative emotion, I guess. It was like, oh my God, this explains my entire life. I am so glad I finally feel validated and like everything <laughs> that I've been feeling, there's nothing wrong with me. And then my next thought was like, first of all, how can I learn more about this? And second of all, how do I, how do I live as this after I've created this whole kind of life for myself that doesn't totally honor this? So, um, so yeah. And then the yoga couple, they had a retreat in Hawaii and I like very immediately, like that was a very <laughs> splenic, probably the first, like when I think back on, okay, what was the first time that I think I was like really conscious of, of making a decision from my splenic awareness? Like it was that moment they posted that they were having a retreat and I was like, I'm going, I have no idea how I'm going to pay for it. Um, and that's like how I ended up paying for it was actually another really interesting 
story and synchronicity. But anyway, so I ended up going to the trip on, uh, I ended up going to the retreat and then there was a day that they dedicated to just like talking about human design. And from that moment forward, I was like, I'm all in because everything I've been doing hasn't been working. And then I get back home from the retreat and I'm still working at the hospital at the time. And of course, when you work in any sort of medical facility, you have access to like people, at least people's birthdays. (laughs) (laughs) So like with my patients, I was like looking up their, with the birth information I had, I was looking up their charts and I was making really interesting connections and, and yeah, and I forget what your other question was, but that was. Well, I have a few more for you. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> it's really so many things that you said there are so interesting, but one of the ones that I want to bring up first is you mentioned that you've done all sorts of like physical activities and played all sorts of sports, and that would make so much sense too, because before we even started the podcast episode we were talking about how much of a defined route you have and then the only channel that you have is the channel of judgment and it's it goes from the root to the spleen and from my understanding the three channels that go from the root to the spleen are kind of considered like the athletic channels right because there's just this adrenal spontaneous instinctual movement of the body that tends to happen and uh, I'm not surprised. And and then you also have a pretty lit route. Other than I think gate 19, all of them are defined. And so yeah. there is a lot of fuel for body movement in a lot of different directions and in a lot of different ways. So uh, that's very interesting. But what's also interesting is that you're a projector with obviously an undefined sacral and no other motors, right? Those are the only two defined centers that you have. And so then you get to hold these like two possibly contradictory things together, right? Or like, yeah, sometimes as a projector, you don't have consistent access to that sacral energy. You don't have consistent access to other motors. And so in a sense, there is not a lot of energy there, but yet you have the root to the spleen, which is like spontaneous movement. And I'm wondering if there are times then you that you have to sort of like take some time away or back off or how do you manage those two together like being a projector where you're focused you're here to be more focused on seeing rather than actual doing but then you have all of this physical energy that wants to do things as well Mm. yeah yeah thank you for speaking to this because one of the things that you know, when I found out I was a projector and I really wasn't plugged into source material yet, and I was just reading everything that I could from different sources and everybody has their own opinions and everything. But there was a lot of, there was a lot of information at the time about how much rest projector needs and how tired we are and how we don't have as much energy for physical activity. And I even listened to a podcast episode by somebody, I don't remember who it was, but they were they were speaking to parents of projector children and they were saying they kind of made like a blanket statement of like projectors shouldn't do sports. And I was like, wow, that doesn't resonate with my experience at all. And now that knowing what I know about the centers and the root and the circuitry and how, like you said, like the spleen to root channels, they need a lot of physical activity. I think Ross said like three times more physical activity than the 
route to solar plexus circuitry. Um, and so, yeah, it has definitely been a journey for me because when I look back, you know, my experience of like being a distance runner and everything, I definitely didn't know when enough was enough back then. And, uh, like the other interesting nuance to it is like the, these channels also in a way do best when they're invited into physical activity. And so it's not that this is such, you know, it's such a balance because I would never tell a projector like, oh, if you're feeling like you have pent up energy, like wait to be invited before you go for a walk or anything like that. But I do notice that, uh, even things like when my dog kind of perks up and looks at me, um, and walks to the door, sometimes I feel like he's in a way inviting me to take him on a walk or, you know, having a partner and him inviting me to do, to go out of the house and to do physical activity with him or, even in my work with Julia and how she initiated me into functional patterns and to like have her continuous recognition and invitation to study the system in a way is like inviting me into that physical activity. And um, I think something really shifted for me as well when I started seeing my body as a system rather than a rather than something to perfect because you know the channel of judgment can drive itself crazy if it turns its insatiability in on itself and in on individuals but like when I really started like yeah it was it was really around the time I found functional patterns and like I started studying how the fascia networks in our body are connected in very specific ways to to support specifically standing walking running and throwing and really started diving into that I think it kind of took the pressure off me and took like my personal story out of it you know like the story that oh I have to look a certain way to be successful or uh, I have to heal myself in this amount of time or you know 2027 is coming up and we don't know what's coming and we have to be able to survive it kind of like it took that impersonal nature out of it and I'm also power view so like not <laughs> having that, um, really personalized lens also helps me. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I guess that's what I have to say about that. Yeah. And you know, the, the channel of judgment, like it's all well and good when it's invited by the other. And I have a collective channel too, acceptance. Mm -hmm. That's the only channel I have as well. Like I can drive myself absolutely insane if 100%. I start having opinions about my own life and what's happening and like how I should be conducting it. Like I, I can really go and I have previously gone down that path of internalize every internalizing everything that I think and everything that I see but it's been so helpful to learn that most everything that I see is mostly not for me what's for me is something that comes out through me as I speak uh, with my network but that can be completely unrelated to what I'm thinking about from morning to night right and it's such a it's such a process to not turn that collective channel inwards. Yes. Uh, oh my gosh. That's yeah. my life. Yeah, <laughs> mine too. Mine too. And it just feels like life, like you said, it just feels really re like relaxing and it just, it doesn't feel like now I have all of this pressure that I used to put on myself. I don't have that anymore. It's just, and again, human design does help you relieve that and like 
relax into yourself a lot more. And then when you relax into yourself a lot more, you can see all the ways in which you're in which your seeing can can actually benefit others. And it's almost like when you relax and you don't internalize that, do you see like invitations and people even coming to you? Because before that, you weren't even available for that, you know? No. Yeah. Yeah, like I am reminded every day how much I am not here for myself, but how often I really only have realizations about myself when... I'm guiding the other. It's like such an interesting thing to watch. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. Like that's as projectors, there is no way for us to see ourselves anyway. The only way for us to see ourselves is when it's reflected back to us through the other, right? When we've successfully guided them or something really clicks for them and you're like, oh, I saw that. And, you know, like I waited for them to ask for it and they received it. And now this change has happened and it's right in front of me. And that shows me who I am. That shows me like what I can bring bring to the world. And it's such a, which is why, I mean, Ra always says, and I really like, at first he was like, oh, it takes seven years to decondition, especially for projectors. Like you got to take your time. And I'm like, no, I'm a mental, you know, like I'm a mental projector. I can get all of this information in quick and like, you know, uh, I'm ready. I've been, I've been doing work on myself. And then as I got into it slowly, slowly, I'm like, yeah, it does take time for me to, to really live like myself and for me to even see who I really am and to grow and to develop, um, not without conditioning, but, you know, just being protected from the conditioning that is not good that is incorrect for me it takes time it takes it's like little step by step step by step process and um I think I I I wasn't able to see that before and now I really can just how slow of a process it really can be for this projectors because there's always that other that is needed for that reflection or there's always that other that is needed for for us to grow into ourselves more and more but at the same time you can't really like depend on that you know what I mean like you can't you can't yeah. just you just you have to wait but at the same time the waiting can't be something that you're doing actively like oh no I'm going to wait and when I wait the invitation will come you know that <laughs> that feeling yeah no totally and there's so many things I could say on this I mean you're really emphasizing patience here and I think we even spoke about this in dms about as pure collective beings we're patient like that's what we're here for we're here for the patient repetition of small things over and over and eventually we get it but it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of honestly waiting for other other people's timing right because like the the logical circuit doesn't have the solar plexus in it so in a way you might think that it would be faster because it's the splenic side but as a splenic being, I can tell you, like, I am, I may look fast because you see me after I have received an invitation and I've said yes to it, then it will appear that I move quickly. But the amount of time I had to wait for the timing to be correct 
for all the emotionals in my life to kind of set the timing, you know, it's like, we're all waiting and we can't bypass that, you know? And, um, I'm even realizing with things like studying, you know, I don't think that we need an invitation to study, but boy, does it help? Like if I'm being honest, because, you know, even as I kind of go back to my roots of going back to studying the body and body mechanics and how this whole thing works, you know, now that I'm starting to get some recognition for that and I'm starting to take on clients, it's like now that money is coming in and I'm receiving energy and I'm receiving support in that way, my passion and my vigor for studying has just quadrupled, you know? Um, And that's not something that I could have sped up Like I look back on my process of like the exact timing of everything happened, like my Saturn return happening and basically ripping me away from everything that I'd known. And you've been following Nick and I for a while. So you probably saw like us traveling and doing a lot of really crazy spontaneous stuff in our, uh, our very, uh, you know, I'm splenic, he's sacral. We have a completely open emotional solar plexus, even in our connection chart. So we're very, very spontaneous. So, you know, going from that and kind of the life that Nick helped to initiate with his channel of initiation. And then, you know, all the little steps, you know, everyone I've met, all the conversations, getting deeper into my human design experiment, finding functional patterns and just everything that happened in a very specific timeline got me to where I am now. There was like no way that I could have sped up that process. No amount of like forcing myself to take in more information or do anything different would have changed it because like, like what you were saying, there really is a, there's a limit on how much information we can take in. You know, it really, I'm more and more feeling the cellular integration process of, okay, my cells are saturated right now. I can't take in any more information. You know, I'm just going to take all this and live my life and see what happens. Yeah, 100%. And I was, I was kind of saying this to someone the day before yesterday that, you know, you reach a point in your human design journey where the information is not going to give you any more security. Like, no, there's no point to more and more and more and more and more because it's not at some point like, you know, when when you're experimenting with it and for yourself, you kind of see things, you begin to see things, then it's like, oh, I actually got to live it now. And then you reach that point where it's like, beyond this point, I actually have to be my own authority and just trust because that's what it comes to. Because when you really do live your design, you don't know. Like, you don't know what's coming. You don't know what's going to happen. That's the truth. And sometimes sometimes you can feel even, like, less stable than you did before human design when you're in human design. That's the point, you know? And and that's when you know where, like, you're either, like, in it or or you decide, yeah, no, this is not for me. I'm I'm here for something else in this lifetime, right? Because um, I got to this point where, as a mental projector like I can study you know like I study a lot that's all I do that's all I have energy yes. for. And, you know like I'm on all of these courses and like 
I'm I'm going down the route of like professional studying, like all of that, becoming an analyst, and I can study and study and study. But I'm realizing that none of it means anything if I can't wait for the invitation and if I can't make decisions according to my authority. And once I make the decisions, if I can't watch what happens, because that's really important. It's the it's the bit that the watching bit that's important, that's actually helping me grow my understanding and helping my Ajna kind of go through that collective process of, as you said, like developing things over time, develop, seeing patterns over time and letting them grow over time. And so it's like you said, it seems like at least for you, it seems like a fast project is process as a splenic projector. For me, it's like really, really, really slow. Yeah. And the deeper I go into it, the slower I want to go. You know, when I was very new in, into my experiment, the, I wanted to go fast and I could yeah. with, with the studying. But now it's like, but what about like, I want to come back to the basics, but like, what about my authority and can I just talk have like extended conversations about just that and how many different perspectives can I get on that and then how many experiences can I have of me real life living that and then seeing what the nuances of are of that like you know there's it's almost like at some point of time instead of going like further you just want to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper oh yeah yeah, I love that nuance, deeper rather than further. Yeah. It's appropriate for 40, the sun is in 48 right now. <laughs> yeah. So well. <laughs> um, I want to know a bit more about functional patterns because I'm very curious. Okay, so I'll tell you like, as a mental projector, someone who has no motors, I have been using my physical body in really athletic ways all my life. When I was younger, I was a dancer. I would play tennis. I would play badminton. Like I played all the sports and I was very much natural at all of those things. And I also have quite, uh, I have an undefined route, but it's, it's, it has a lot of activations and um, it's also part of like my uh, design sun and you know like it's it's it comes up a lot yeah through electromagnetics or transits or whatever like I'm almost always defined in my route and so me as a mental projector I've always been really active and been playing all sorts of different sports and like yoga and everything like all of it and when I learned that I was a mental projector and I heard the narrative about projectors and physicality I was like this is weird. Should I just be laying in my bed like a potato all day? Which I do, by the way. Which I do. <laughs> but then yeah, we're definitely not trying to demonize rest over here. Yeah. <laughs> I love my I love my rest. I love my naps now. Like I'm all about it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And like I am um and like passive in my environment too. So okay like 90% of the time I am actually horizontal it is my life but there are times when I really need to move my body and it feels really good and I'm kind of grateful that that this has been the case for me because I have never sort of lost that touch with with my body in a sense and um, you know 
no matter what what sport you play or what activity you do, there is this sense of tuning into your body and sensing into what it's saying, right? When you're actually moving your physical body. So I'm very curious about functional patterns because it moves away from like vigorously moving your body or trying to reach a certain um aesthetic or trying to reach like a physical goal number and it moves into like the basic movements like everyday functional movements and I want to hear more about it and like what functional patterns actually is and how it can really help you get in touch with your body yeah Okay. I can like feel my heart beating, beating faster because I know that there's like a lot of chatter that's going around in the human design community right now about functional patterns, especially after my live with Julia. And, you know, of course, like I believe a hundred percent in differentiation. And I also believe like, here we go, fifth line day. Like I also believe in universal truths to an extent, you know, it's like in the same way that I believe that everybody, like a universal truth is like everybody follow their strategy and authority. Like, and that's kind of the, the irony and the paradox, right. Of like, yes, it's a universal truth, but then the way everybody gets to their strategy and authority is going to be completely different in the same way from the way that I've studied the body and everything that I've gathered so far, I believe that there is a universal truth that our bodies are designed as, as human form even though we are, you know, we are human in uh, homo sapien in transition. But, you know, I do believe that our forms are oriented towards standing, walking, running, and throwing. And, you know, those are things that are very supportive of our individual survival. And, you know, yeah, you can also argue, like, we're kind of moving away from, you know, the, the seven-centered notion of, like, just being here for survival, right? And like we're moving into a time of emotionality. But like, if you look at the, um, if you look at gate 55, which is like part of the energy that we're moving into, like part of uh, provoking the spirit is we, he even says it in the line companion, like we need to be able to feed ourselves. <laughs> like that is a very important thing. Like having the ability to to take care of ourselves and I believe like of our bodies in a way that honors our way to like go out and do that is really important. And then of course, like I'm, I'm, I'm also very aware of like, you know, there are individuals who like, who can't do those things. And that is, that doesn't mean that they can't be in alignment and that doesn't mean that they can't follow their strategy and authority and like live their unique path. Um, I'm just of the belief that when we look at the body and we look at like how to mobilize the body towards its most optimal state, we do need to pay attention to the way that the fascia and the connective tissue and the physics of like how our bones align to create these mechanical levers, right? Because it's like a very practical example is like if my rib cage is oriented too far forward from my pelvis, it's going to create a lot of length in my quadratus lumborum and it's going to give me lower back pain. And that doesn't matter like if I'm a projector, a generator, a male or a female, like that's just, that's just physics. And like, that's just the way that we are oriented. And, you know, when I look at the, when I look at the cross of planning and everything that's kind of developed from the cross of planning, a lot of our, uh, a lot of the way that we move our body and a lot of our he like health and fitness trends, they are very 
and again, this is a collective judgment. This is nothing on individuals and what people choose to participate in. It doesn't make anything like right or wrong or, you know, that's like a part of their path. But I see that like as a collective, a lot of the movements that we are oriented towards have become very performative and it's become about talent and like being visually appealing to the collective and to like be a part of a tribe and like some of those things are are still are I believe very beautiful you know but like when I look out at the world and I see like gymnasts who like like are needing such a high percentage of um of like joint replacements or I see like former football players having early onset dementia and I see um I see golfers and and how often they have lower back pain. Like I I believe they have a higher incidence of low back pain than like an, a sedentary individual. I just see that like we've been driven to participate in these things that don't necessarily like honor our anatomy as an individual, but it's like, ooh, like this, this gives me a, a feeling of community and it gives in you know, people really like to watch it. It's entertaining. It's like collective, the, the collective circuit is also very visually simulating. So it's like, yeah, we love to watch this stuff on TV and, and that's great. And again, it's like, there's nothing wrong with that. But like, I also see that we're moving into a time where it's going to be about the individual. And like, I don't know about anyone else, but for me, like as a six line being like as a role model, like what I see for myself I guess is like I want to be able to master like the basics of being able to move so that I can like take care of my needs on a day-to-day basis um so I know that's like a lot of yeah that's like a lot that's a lot and like things like because I know I addressed yoga a little bit on the live and again I love yoga I love yoga philosophy I still consider that to be like such a pivotal part of my life and like I still use a lot of concepts that I and perspectives that I gained from yoga um but specifically like when we think about the yoga asanas and the yoga postures like the hilarious irony of it to me is that yoga like the original yoga when you look at like the uh, the the eight limbs and the Upanishads and everything like the original yoga asana was like literally just mastering your standing posture and then like all these poses came like when the, during the cross the planning, when the British colonized India and like brought their gymnastics and stuff over into, uh, into the East. And then that kind of like intermingled. And then now it's like yoga's come to the West and it's become this like fitness trend that has like so much money behind it. That's like, I'm not even going to go there, but, <laughs> um, when I look at all this stuff, I'm like, okay, like let's, like let's get back to the basics and uh and it's it's funny too because like oh you know I totally understand functional patterns is kind of like as a you know looking at like the founder he has a lot of heretical beliefs that I you know I don't necessarily agree with everything that he says um and so people have a lot of opinions about it and people will say oh it's a very masculine system or it's this or it's that or whatever um it's funny because like, like in my experience with it, and, and of course, because I've had a dif- differentiated experience of it from someone who also uh, is living her experiment and practicing human design. But like my experience of it is actually that it's been a very like slow 
and repetitive and like really tuning in on the details. And rather than thinking about, you know, like, okay, I'm going to work out really hard for an hour and then I'm just going to be done. It's like a, no, I'm going to spend this hour being really intentional and feeling like, okay, when I move my body this way, I feel this activate. And then, oh, I noticed that when I move this way, my right hip wants to compensate by doing this. And then, ooh, when I get in this position, I lose my ability to breathe. And it's like giving me all this information so that the rest of the time that I'm not actively exercising, I am like that stuff is in my awareness. So it's like actually changing my behavior. It's changing like the way I think about the way I move. And now it's like, um, I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life. And literally all I do is like, I do these functional patterns, corrective exercises, and I like go on walks. I don't like, (laughs) I don't lift really heavy weights. I don't like feel like I have to work out super hard. Um, but my body is really learning how to be really efficient and how to rest. And I think that was like, if I could say like, that was the one thing that, that sold me on functional patterns was when I heard the founder talking about how, like, he's like, my whole goal and my whole reason for doing this is like, we don't know how to rest. When you look at a dog, like you watch your dog, (laughs) they just like, you know, they're like, Oh, do you need me? Nope okay, like I'm going to go lay back down. Like they know how to rest. And we as humans, like we've forgotten how to do that. And if we learn how to make our bodies function optimally and efficiently, um, then we can also make our rest more efficient. So anyway, I uh, touched on a lot (laughs) there. So I have a lot of thoughts. (laughs) Yay. Um, First, I definitely heard your live and I, because I'm a collective being, I was like, I didn't internalize any of that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I do all of the things that, <laughs> that yes. you guys were talking about, like yoga mm-hmm. and lifting and all of that. Right. But yeah. I know that your perspective comes from like noticing the larger picture and this isn't necessarily like pinpointing at one thing right it was just yeah like a collective judgment on on what you saw which was which was actually quite intriguing for me because it made me think about like when I went lifting that day I was like mm. hey I'm going to be a little bit more intentional today and I'm going to see um in general I feel like I lift very differently anyway from mm-hmm. the people at my gym and maybe this is your projector you're going to move very differently from all the generators yep I, I I don't really work as much as other people but I watch I watch everyone you know like sometimes I will put down my bubble just to see what everyone else is doing and I also very consciously record myself doing what I'm doing every single time so I come back home and I see like oh this isn't okay or this is something that I can work on this is something I can work on and I've noticed that I grow much faster than a lot of the people that that work out with me just because of this Mm. and so I love that that you talked about intentionality because I think that's very important when it comes to movement um this is something that I've noticed like when I was back in the day dancing as well like dancing is is something that looks 
really free flowing but actually mm-hmm. you're very much very much noticing every little thing that is moving and like you said what you're mm-hmm. compensating with you know like what what's actually like moving and then what's actually like strong and what's actually not and what where's the flexibility yeah. like there's a lot of awareness when it comes to like basically everything even with yoga you know like I I have practiced yoga for a long time and I used to teach yoga as well and so mm-hmm. you know I I know that the way that it's collectively done or the way that a lot of these athletic activities are collectively done can appear to be very unintentional or forceful or um, showy in a sense Mm -hmm. you know but there are also people that are doing it differently you know that are doing it with a lot more awareness let's just say but then again there are like the majority that are not and I see that as well as someone who's very active in in all of these like spaces like I see that that people come there and they try to push numbers or they try to go too fast or they're not really focusing on the technique and so they injure themselves and you know then it's just downhill from there right so I I love that you're bringing all of these conversations forward because they're important right and um, something as, as simple as like making sure that you're moving optimally, like that's such a that's such a beautiful thing, like making your body so like and I think maybe that's just a projective yeah. thing. Like that's that just almost turns me on. It's like I can fine-tune <laughs> my body to that point where I can rest yeah. more. Hell yes, give give that to me. That's the joy right there. Like that, that right there is like, that's why I'm trying to correct, you know, is like, so we can return to that, like the playfulness of it all. Like, so it's not taken, no longer taken away from us, but like adding to our experience, like mm, that's the juice for me. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I don't know why randomly, but this just popped in my awareness right now. Your hope motivation Mm-hmm. and guilt motivation <laughs> and uh, hope transference um, is a weird place for me is a very very weird mm-hmm. place for me so it feels like almost like a like I'm helpless which which we all are in yeah. a sense yeah but when I'm not motivated correctly I just it almost feels like someone chopped my arms off or like someone took my eyes out you know and that's quite a morbid visual but it it really feels like that for me um that I just have to sit back and I have no agency in this and there's nothing that I can do but I know that hope motivation doesn't look like that at all and so I want to understand what does hope motivation look like for you and what does guilt transference look like for you Mm. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I think hope is often portrayed like as light and fluffy, um, and one of the easier motivations, but hope, you know, all all of their, every single motivation, like has their, their beauties and their, their struggles. Right. And hope can also look like, God, there's no hope in this. So I'm not going to try to fix it. Like it's beyond hope. So I'm just going to leave it over there. 
and I'm going to feel the very real feelings that come from that, right? Uh, it is a very interesting uh, paradox to be channel of judgment and hope motivation. And yeah. to me, that looks like I see a lot of, of problems, I guess, quote unquote, problems with systems or what could be fixed. But when I'm in, when I'm correct, when I'm in alignment, I don't feel this pressure. Like I'm necessarily the one who has to go out and make that happen or to necessarily do anything about it. But when I'm in my hope, it's like, okay, I know what I see and the right people will come and ask me for my judgments, but I don't have to do anything about it. When I'm in guilt, guilt it's a very somatic experience for me now when I'm in guilt um and it's really interesting to feel the difference between when I'm being emotionally conditioned by someone in my environment or by the transits it's a very different feeling than my transference because like emotion like I feel like when I'm on an emotional wave with someone else and like they're riding out a wave on a decision that's going to affect both of us, like whether they're, you know, kind of sitting on, okay, are they going to invite me or not? Uh, it feels like, it just kind of feels like there's a cloud, like there's just weather that's blowing through. But when I'm in transference, it feels like everything's on fire. <laughs> like it just like, it literally feels like my nervous system is on fire. And I have to actually physically weight myself down like lay down and put a weighted blanket over me sometimes to stop myself from acting on that and like initiating a bunch of things and um and it really is true for me every time I try to fix something it's like fixing something that's not broken and I make it worse like without without fail <laughs> yeah um yeah, and it's a very interesting one. Like uh, Nick, he's also guilt. And I see that a lot in relationships that opposites attract. <laughs> so, um, and I think we were both really in transference when we met. Uh, he was very kind of like sitting back, like hoping things were going to happen for him in his life and not really taking any action on things. And I was like, I was the one like going out and doing a bunch of stuff it's been interesting to watch that that flip in our relationship and for us to understand that to be about each other and support each other um but yeah even last night i i felt myself our dishwasher or our um our garbage disposal in our airbnb we're staying in right now like it's not working and i started to try to fix it and i was like nope the last <laughs> the last time i tried to fix something it just made it way worse. Uh, so I asked him if he had a moment. He responded to it and he knew exactly what to do to fix it. <laughs> yeah. Three, five. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. Motivation. It's a, it's a trip, especially because there's like, I also feel kind of uh, hopeless when I'm in transference. Like, there's really nothing that can be done. You just watch the transferences happening. You know, like there's nothing that you can really do. It goes back to what we were talking about before that you can't speed up the process at all. 
Yeah. You just notice that it's happening. Yeah. And watching it is so important. And I feel like the contrast between like when when you watch yourself be in your correct motivation versus when you're in transference, just witnessing that contrast teaches you so much and it helps things click so much because the next time you're like at least for me that I am in an environment or I'm with someone and I can just notice it so much so much clearer and it's just right there and I there's no like mental guesswork happening there like is this hope transference am I really in hope like the more that I witness it the more it's like yes I am in hope indeed this is nothing like guilt and recently I've been feeling like so so in my guilt motivation and um, you know in class um, in analyst school um, someone was talking about mental projectors and the, the way that they talked about mental projectors just it overtook my body and mm. I felt like this internal like drive towards having more conversation out there about this and having more correct information about this because it's high time that like other people like stop telling mental projectors what mental projector authority is and actually mental projectors come forward and be like yes this is we've been experimenting with it we live it this is what it is like you don't get it because we are so misunderstood and there is just so much like incorrect information. And I know as a mental projector, just how disempowered we are anyway, you know, in this world, in this energy world, we have no motors. We're just this walking, talking head that nobody even wants to listen to because we're so not self, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and so I just immediately felt this internal push to like write emails and bring a bunch of people together and I was just watching my body do that I was just watching it and I could I literally kid you not I could not rest till I did my part you know and then it was like okay now whatever happens happens so there is this element of hope even in guilt because once you have done part then it's like yeah now whatever happens happens I did what I what I could you know that's and that was the most important thing thing for me as someone with guilt motivation and now it's so obvious to me just how active guilt is you know it's it's so different it's so different from when I'm in hope when I just feel like I can still see things when I'm in hope and again it's distorted right because you're not even seeing clearly but then you just feel like there's nothing for me to do and so if there's nothing for me to do here then what am I doing here you know yeah yeah, I love what you said about how um, even, I forget exactly how you said it, but it's like there is even hope in the guilt. Uh, and yeah, I, I think about this all the time and I talk about this all the time with my friend Emily, who's a, who's also a projector and she's also guilt motivation. Like there's so much nuance to it because it, even in the way, like I was saying that hope motivation can see when there's no hope or when something's not worth hoping for when you're like, oh yeah, like that's not going to get delivered in time or yeah, that relationship, like he's an alcoholic and like, he's never going to get sober. And like, that's not worth hoping for. Right. It's like, we know what's not worth hoping for. Like at the same time, I feel like a guilt motivation person sometimes knows it's like, you know what to fix, but then you also sometimes know when it's, there's nothing to fix in that moment. Right. And like my friend, Emily, she'll talk about this, like She's like, I realized that I took action 
but I took action, like hope, really hoping that it was going to work, even though like there's a part of me that knew that it wasn't going to. <laughs> um, and that's where like the nuance of the, of the motivation comes in. Cause I really do see, like, I really see how active guilt motivation is and like how beautiful it was that you sprung into action. Um, and that like feels really good and that feels really correct. And then like, sometimes I also see where it's like, yeah, okay. Maybe on the surface, it looks like being active about something is what's correct, but maybe taking the action is actually, you're doing it out of hope. And then like, for me, sometimes, sometimes like I don't act because I'm like, oh, like I don't want to make them feel guilty. And it's like, okay, but I was like being passive, but it was more out of guilt. So I love that because you know then everyone thinks of hope as a very passive motivation but sometimes mm-hmm. you can take action with hope and so it doesn't always have to be entirely passive I I just love that I just love that nuance because this is the thing with human design you know this is what I this is what I absolutely love that just keeps coming like gets me to keep coming back is that you know, you look at something, you look at a chart, you look at the surface level and you think this is it. You're already, by the way, your mind is already blown when you just look at the surface yeah. level. Yeah. And then you go into the substructure and you're like, oh my God, what the hell is in here? And then you start living it. And then it becomes a whole different like story in itself. And like every little element just has so many like like textures and colors and it's it's just it's so alive it's just life like the mechanics of the maya it really it really is absolutely inspiring and there is not a day that I don't feel wowed (laughs) by by, yeah oh I love that um let's see what else did I want to ask you (laughs) Jesse? um what is it like having a completely open emotional system? Um, okay, so to preface this, I am the only not emotional in my family out of both parents, both step parents, all four siblings are emotional. So there is, I did de- definitely grow up with a lot of emotional conditioning that I'm still uh, unwinding. But what I have noticed with like my completely open solar plexus compared to, let's say, my sacral, which we, <laughs> if you look at my sacral, you can definitely see that I'm going to school there. Like I think I have four hanging gates and then I have four other gates are like pointing at it. So it's like, yeah, that's definitely what I'm here to be conditioned by the most and to hook into other people's conditioning. Um, what I've noticed like with my solar plexus is when I feel that emotional conditioning, I feel it so deeply because there is nothing there to connect it back to myself, but it goes through me really quickly especially the more I decondition. I feel like when I first really got radical in my experiment, I was crying all the time. I was just releasing 
probably a lot of built up just shit that was in there from years and years of like there's emotional conditioning and it didn't leave. But like, especially lately, I noticed myself getting a lot more cold or like I'll watch a movie and uh, there'll be like a really emotional scene and I'll just acknowledge and watch like, huh, this is something that I would have cried along with in the past or would have had an emotional experience to but I don't feel any emotion from this right now like I'm just watching this so more and more it's like I really love feeling that emotional wave of other people and like I'll I'll really be in it but then it's like as soon as I'm away it's gone like it's already it's left in my it feels like the motion leaves my body so fast like as quickly as it came whereas like with my sacral I am more aware that I'm being conditioned but it stays with me much much longer like it it's like my body holds on to the sacral conditioning and it lingers and it's like I need to I need to be alone for hours and hours sometimes like if I'm with someone who has a sacral or if I'm, if I make an electromagnetic with someone to the sacral, which is like almost everyone I come into contact with, to be honest. Um, yeah, it like takes me a really, really long time to empty that information out of my body or even like my Ajna, because I have, you know, my hanging 17 is in my Ajna and that's in my incarnation cross and, I can really take on people's opinions if I'm around them. Like sometimes I need to be away from them for a long time to feel like, oh, okay. Like that's not a fixed opinion in me. Um, yeah. So with the emotional center, like just to wrap it up, I feel like it's, it's more of an, an intense situation in the moment, but it doesn't linger. The conditioning doesn't linger in the way I experience the conditioning lingering in other centers where I have hanging stuff yeah to to me what you're kind of describing is like a really healthy open center because essentially that's what open centers are they're like mirrors they're like complete like they just reflect the conditioning back to the person and then there's no there's no hanging gate in there for you to attach any meaning to you know for the for the body to like hold on to it or for the mind to get in there and to like identify with it and create stories about it and internalize it so yeah that's 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 really beautiful that you are experiencing that more and more um I love that I also want to have do you have any completely open centers? I'm curious. Nope. <laughs> none. Absolutely nice. none. I have a little a little something of everything to to take in. And I Lord knows I have created so many stories about so many of these different energies and made them my own. And I mean, thank God now I now I can watch it and I can I can see what impact what energy has but again my experience with undefined centers is similar that it takes a while for me to let go of that Mm. energy because there is just yeah it takes a while it takes a while for me to release it but I'm also a hermit and I also don't (laughs) yeah I'm not around people a lot so I mean that helps (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. I feel such a kinship with mental projection with mental projectors because, you know, majority of mental projectors are going to only have two centers defined. There's that rare mental projector who'll have all three, you know, head, ajna, throat. But I think because I, I only have two centers defined, I share that kinship with you. But then it's interesting because the two centers that you have defined versus mine, it's like worlds apart. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my God, I'm just a bunch of adrenalized pressure and drive and some instinctual awareness. Um, and yeah. I'm just a bunch of opinions. <laughs> so. See, but okay, so it's funny to me because like when I think about the way projectors are described, oftentimes it's like, yeah, we're here to study and to guide and like I think of those those are very like mental intellectual processes like so for me I'm still like this is something I'm still like teasing out every day because I don't like not having the defined ajna like you have like my capacity to study things and to like really like conceptualize um, is not there on a consistent basis um, and my voice, my voice gets really tired. Like, I, I don't know. I'm, I think that's why I was like attracted to being a PT maybe is because I felt like, oh, I can guide people with my hands I can guide people with my body. I don't have to use my voice as much, but yeah, it's. I love that you bring that up because I feel like we look at guidance in such a homogenized way where it's like, Oh, we all have to be coaches. Absolutely not. You know, and right. people with undefined throats, like there is, I was, I was in a session with, with this emotional projector recently, and I was having this exact conversation with her. And I was like, you know, like, I hope you don't feel the pressure to guide in the way that I do, because mm -hmm. you're, you're going to feel like, oh, this is the way it's done. And I'm here to tell you that it's not like, you you bring something entirely different to the table and like you said you also have feelings cognition right if I'm mm -hmm. yeah feeling yeah. cognition yeah so I mean that automatically just adds a really different element and you know your spleen and your root there's let's just say there's just no there's no one way to guide even if even if guidance is looked at a certain way it's not how everyone should be doing it in fact if you differentiate enough you'll find that you find yourself guiding people in ways that you would have never even thought about you know mm -hmm. ever and I love that I love I love that that people I can see so many different people exploring so many different ways of guidance too and changing the narrative about guidance because we can yes. we can all come in here and we can all be like oh, I need to create content and I need to say my opinion on this this particular topic and I need to be able to have thoughts on this like no you don't have a defined ajna you don't have to do that you absolutely don't and you know um that that pressure of needing to do that just needs to go away and you just need to be yourself and see where that takes you I think ultimately that's that's what we keep coming back to right um yeah it's so true and I mean we can say this in so many different ways until we're blue in the face but you know there's so many ways that we can try to be strategic about our lives and try to take control of it and like okay how can I 
be strategic in my life and make sure that I receive recognition and, oh, do I need to post this many times? And do I need to, like you said, be a coach in this very specific homogenized way? I'm just watching my life and laughing back at like when I really thought that I wanted to do human design sessions, like as my career, you know, like as the majority of my income and like how he's really like pumping out content and like really trying to, you know, get people interested in what I was doing. And they're just like, you know, I'd get some sessions here and there, but like the recognition was not there. And now that I'm doing what I'm doing with the body, it's like, I've maybe posted on my stories like twice and I've made no posts about it. And I have like, I already have two, like for sure clients. And I have like five other consultation calls that are scheduled. And it's just like, what? Like, it's so, it's so trippy because again, we can say this in so many different ways, but it's never what the mind thinks thinks it's going to be. And yeah, with projectors, especially it's like, if you're meant to be recognized for something like the recognition will come without you really having to work really hard at it yeah 100% and I I love that you're saying that that you were trying to do sessions I was trying to like be a yoga teacher you know and it's like my body likes It was just like not having it. And here I am just like, um, you know, just talking about my thoughts and sharing my opinions. And lo and behold, like the recognition comes. It just comes because you don't have to work for it. It just It's just play, you know, it just happens through you. And it's been so interesting, interesting to, to watch my own journey and my own idea of like, what I want to do change and like let me also say this that it's never what you think even for defined ashnas like I still cannot strategize and again I'm three parts right so there's no strategy in in me <laughs> like I'm lost as as lost can be but you know I would try to use my defined ashna to to make a plan, to look at yeah. certain things a certain way, to conceptualize everything. And the thing is that everything cannot be conceptualized. At least I yeah. cannot conceptualize about my life and how I'm going to exist and what I'm going to do with it and who I'm going to be with and, you know, what's going to come into my life. That's for me to, like, actually witness, you know, that like, yeah. what's the point of yeah. life if you could just mentally calculate and manipulate all of that? Like, why are you even here then having the experience? Oh my gosh, that's so true. And yeah, and I think that's something that's really misunderstood too. Like me, even me being three parts left, I mean, that doesn't mean I'm strategic for myself. Like to me, the way I see that is like when somebody pulls something out of my passive brain, because that is my one right variable, somebody asked me the right question, like I can pull it out of myself and it's almost like it comes out and it spits out in a strategic, like linear one, two, three, four way when I deliver my outer authority. But when it comes to like, I think that's like when we look at the um, I don't like the mainstream human design or the spiritual human design or the pop human design, like however you want to describe it. It's like they're like, yeah, use these. It's like if you have a left arrow, like you can be strategic and plan your life. It's like, no, (laughs) it just means the way that you deliver your guidance 
your outer authority, it's going to come out in a more, uh, in a more left way, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's never, yeah. And there's just general, in general, just a little bit more activity in the left variables. Like that's what it is. Yeah. And rightness is more about just receptivity in, mm-hmm. in, in general. Um, but yeah, I know that your throat is getting <laughs> a little tired. You can so. hear the raspy. Yeah. 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 So I, I'm not going to bother you for a lot longer, but I just have one last question. Yeah, of course. Um, I want to hear a little bit about your authority and, and you have the channel of judgment, but then you also have the 57, mm-hmm. um, right? And so you have instinct, but you also have intuition. Do mm-hmm. you notice, and again, this is such a Ajna, <laughs> this is such a Ajna thought, but like, do you ever notice like, the intuition show up separately from the instinct is there a oh yeah yeah Yeah. absolutely the oh I love this question like I feel like this is gonna pull out so much reflection out of me um yeah the difference between instinct and intuition so instinct feels like uh especially because it's connected to the root it feels like a hundred percent, my body is not going to move for that. Like, um, trying to think of an example. Uh, okay. So like a month ago, Nick and I were going, um, we were staying on a friend's property. And when we arrived there, we had forgotten that she has a gate to get in and there's like a code or whatever. And we were sitting there and he was like, you should go like you should go knock on her door or you should call her so we can get in and i was like like my body was just 100% a no to moving at all <laughs> it was like and i kind of felt that in that moment i was like oh this complete refusal to move like this is my spleen this isn't like me wanting to avoid confrontation it was like such an anchored feeling like there was nothing that you could have gotten me to do to move from that spot and like of course like me also the funny nuance of like me being hope and him being guilt he was like trying to fix it and I was (laughs) like there's nothing to do like we're just gonna wait and he was getting really frustrated and then I heard um then I got this like intuition like this little voice like it literally feels like a little voice that was like wait uh it was like a very specific amount of time it's like wait 12 minutes and I was like (laughs) we're gonna wait for 12 minutes and if nothing happens we'll reevaluate at that time and he was like like you know mg he's (laughs) mg undefined root he thinks he's in a hurry sometimes so Anyway, like 11 minutes passed (laughs) and like, I could like feel like I could feel the pressure building (laughs) within him. Like he was like wanting to do something like no joke at exactly 12 minutes, a truck pulled up behind us and a man gets out and he's like, are y'all friends of, you know, 
so-and-so and I was like yeah and he's like are y'all the ones who are going to be staying here and we were like yeah he's like oh yeah come on in I'll let you in I'm here to repair uh he's like I'm the maintenance guy I'm here to repair the air this that and the other thing that he was going to repair not not important details but it was like literally like exactly like it was such a trippy experience because it was like my authority was just like no you know, because the spleen, that's ultimately kind of what it does is it says no to stuff. Like if something's a yes, like it's not like the same excited, like full body jump in kind of expression of like a sacral, like where you feel the energy move towards it. Like if something's a yes, it's kind of like, okay, there's no resistance to that. <laughs> but if it's a no, it's like, I can't move. Like there's, I know, <laughs> um, but I definitely get that little voice sometimes that like tells me these really weird, but specific things. And just like they say with the spleen, it's like, it only says it once. Um, so yeah, I experienced that. Like those, those little like messages that I guess I could attribute to the 57. That's like a very auditory experience for me. That's like a, I only get it once, but like my actual authority that tells me no like that'll continue to say no. Like you can keep asking me, like, I'm going to continue to be a no if it's a no, you know what I mean? So anyway. this spleen is so fascinating to me because it's so different from what I have going on here. It's just so interesting um, to me. And I also have 57 and it's my personality earth. So I get attention? that. Uh, yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm just surrounded by you guys. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of like cross penetration people around as well. Like I'm surrounded by them too. And it's so cool because like I can just, even just by the way they say some things, I'm like, you're, you're on the cross of penetration, aren't you? Because I can just sense the, like something about it feels, I don't know. It just sounds like I know this. You know, like I know this yep. frequency or I know what it's trying to do. Yeah. But anyway, I was saying that I also have that 57 and there have been times in my life where I have made really intuitive decisions just because there was this voice that was so like loud and it felt very grounding to me. And I knew that I needed to do that. And I have done that and there have been times when I've ignored that and I've really regretted it later mm -hmm. and so I really know that 57 very well because because it's it's um my personality earth it shows up a lot it shows up a lot and it's like mm -hmm. yeah, you got to listen to that and I so I know I have the experience of intuition but I'm I'm very interested in instinct and like hearing more about it but I love I love what you said love what you said I'm going to, I'm going to ask a few, <laughs> few more people. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. I'm so fascinated by the mental projector process as well. I dated a mental projector for four years or for three years. And I like kind of watching him in his process. And like, we were obviously vastly, vastly different in the way that we processed and moved towards making a decision. And then being in Teo's presence in Aura in, at the conference and like hearing his experience of how he experiences his authority. Um, 
it's so interesting to me but then again it's like if you ask anybody about their authority they'd probably have a really unique differentiated way that they experience it and explain it so yeah which I love as a collective being I'm like yes give me more data (laughs) like give me (laughs) so I can find some connection and I can put you all together and then some individual will come from the corner and be like nah doesn't apply to me and then I'll be like oh my god I have to start again or I have to change something you know such a such a collective process but anyway Jesse thank you thank you so much for um joining me it was honestly such a fun conversation and I think we like went in so many different directions which is which was really fun but I loved having this conversation with you so thank you so much Me too. Thank you so much for having me on. And I can't wait to tell Nick that you are in our course and we're going to have a a nice little giggle about that and how much has changed. And, um, and I love that. I love that you've kind of watched our journey and, um, I love everything that you've been doing. And every time I read like one of your posts, there's just some new insight that comes out. And I feel like that's, our collective channels are connecting and like you put words to things that I know I've sat with or ruminated on or reflected on. And then I'll just, I'll see the way that you write it. And I'm like, that's exactly, that's it. That's exactly the kind of what I was thinking about, but did not have the words or the voice for that. So yeah, Uh I, uh, I love this conversation and I'm excited to keep in touch and uh continue to watch each other's processes and journeys absolutely thank you so much for that recognition that felt so good